right, John. Well, it's 10.07 in the morning. Um, I've had a little bit of coffee. Um, the people are not going to be hearing I Feel the Power by Mountaineer to start out this episode. I think, um, I'm not sure what I'm going to pick yet, but I'm just going to pick the saddest music possible. I already know I'm titling this episode the K-State Fan Support Group Meeting because that's what this really is going to be. Um, it's been one of the, that's up there for one of the most like saddening days in K-State sports history. It's not the saddest. There's definitely been a lot worse. But to have like three losses in a row that were just like that heartbreaking, John, it really I'm, sucks. I mean, right after a show on Friday night, or, or, I mean, four losses if you count if you just count this weekend in general. Oh, that is true. After our Friday show, baseball couldn't do any favors in closing out uh, Bakersfield, so... I don't know. It's I'm hoping I'm hoping for a win today, but it, it, that's not going to take away what happened this weekend and just absolute bitter disappointment. Yeah, we'll get to that a little bit later on. I think the plan, John, is to kind of go in chronological order of uh, Saturday. We'll hit the we'll hit the baseball game on Friday a little bit, but yeah, probably start out with the the Iowa State game, then the Oklahoma game for the women, then hit on some baseball against uh yeah cal state bakerfield so um i mean just some announcements i guess while we still got you here you know make sure you're uh following the podcast wherever you're listening leave a like review whatever you can to support make sure to follow us on twitter at shake and blake 312 uh, make sure to take our quizzes on sporkle so i'll be in the description you can just go to sporkle.com and look up k-state sports trivia so we'll try and get round three in sometime soon we'll see what happens maybe i'll try and find a way to get like a clip player on here so we can do the stuff live and I won't have to like go back and edit all the sound effects in and everything. But um, I mean, I think John, we can start out before we get into Iowa state, maybe just talking about um, what we've kind of talked about with our plan going forward. Cause obviously, you know, with basketball and football season, both, I mean, football season has been out of season for a while, obviously, but basketball season coming to a close in a pretty depressing one. Um, I mean, just talking about baseball, baseball's a fun sport, but it's not exactly the most, um, the, the sport that doesn't draw the most interest for K-State fans for sure. And so I think going forward, we had talked a little bit about, you know, some ideas to go back and forth on. Um, I think we we're excited to announce that we'll be doing um, some rewatchables. I don't know if we'll call them differently, just not to copy Bill Simmons, but I think we'll be rewatching some old K-State games, football and basketball came up with some categories. I think it'll be a really fun way to kind of look back on the good old days. Like uh, what Bruce Springsteen says, like they'll, they'll pass you by in a heartbeat. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think, I don't know. We'll probably won't do that to probably maybe the week after this one, maybe because um, so we'll do have another episode out on Thursday. I believe if we can make that work. Uh, we won't be able to do one live on Friday, so I will probably just edit the Thursday episode and make it like 25 minutes, give people a little sneak peek live, and then they can, you know, maybe come and listen to it. Um, and then on March 11th, which is, you know, getting a far ahead, uh, we won't be able to do a live show either. So, I mean, we'll just kind of keep you guys updated on Twitter going forward about um, where we're going, what we're doing. So I think we've got some fun ideas. So uh, you definitely don't want to be going anywhere, make, catching the uh, dynamic duo bringing you peak k-state content the ultimate peak ultimate peak like the <laughs> you know when i was in colorado i actually from the mountain I, when if you go to the top you could actually see you could actually see pike's peak 
if you if you um if you go west on I seventy, uh, and when you go down the valley, you can see uh Pikes Peak from very far on a clear day. Yeah, that's pretty high, it's high very, up there. Yep. Well, anyway, I guess we should talk about basketball. Um, so if you didn't catch it, good for you. Uh, Iowa State beat K State seventy four to seventy three. Um, I mean, some positives, I guess we could try to take, uh, Nigel pack obviously had an extremely great game, 32 points, 11 of 15 from the field. Um, you know, just an overall extremely good game. You know, he had, he carried, I think he had 20 points in the first half. We got out to almost, I mean, one of the best starts you could really ever imagine John getting out uh, to a 13 to two lead. We look like we had Iowa States numbered defensively. We were hitting our shots that were pretty wide open. Um, and then it's just kind of, I'm not really sure what happened, John, after that. I'm not really sure. I mean, Caleb girl obviously made a few threes to get us into the game, but just, it seemed like something changed and we just didn't look the same. It's like the KU game in which the coach was going to change something up after the timeout. That's what, uh, that's what TJ Altsberger did for Iowa state. Uh, after trailing 13 to two, sounds kind of familiar back to the Iowa State game earlier where, where they had that 13 to two lead, but K-State won that one. But go, going back to yesterday's game, it's like they changed the formula and Bruce Weber's defense and offense for that matter can, I mean, didn't change their, their formula and which at times it's cost of been cost of in the game. So it was just, it was just absolutely gut wrenching and brutal. But yeah, I mean, it it really was. I mean, you know, we don't want to <laughs> just go through play by play for this game. But I think, you know, even after we got the 13 to two lead, I think it got to like 17, 17. It was pretty close all the way until halftime, which it was 37, 35 Iowa State. Thanks to a pretty big uh, Caleb girl three to kind of halt our momentum going into halftime. But even like, you know, the plays we would run before, I think they all were really good looks. Mark Smith had a bunch of open threes that he just couldn't get to fall. Um, I think we were still running good offense. We just couldn't get the shots to fall. So I was still pretty happy. But as the game went on, it just it seemed like something changed. Iowa State started playing some really, really physical perimeter defense. And that really, like, uh, I think – I don't want to talk about the refs too much, but I think there was just some real inconsistency about what they let go versus what they didn't. It feels like I went back and forth between some ticky-tacky fouls and then some really physical stuff that they were letting play, which I'm fine with either one, but you just got to let them, you know, be able to let the players adapt to how you want the game to be called. Well, ultimately, I think, I think you touched on it a little bit earlier. It was, it was the scoring droughts in which K-State just could not get a shot up of our life. Um, just some of our offensive misuses leading Iowa State to a bunch of big runs, particularly more in the second half, but uh I mean, for K-State, going 20 of 47, 8 of 25 from three. And I think all, I think almost all eight of those came, well, uh, actually six of those threes came from Nigel Pack. Uh, one, I believe, was from Mike McGurl. And I think another one was by Mark Smith. I could be wrong on that one. But nonetheless, it's just another one of these type of games where it's just Nigel Pack and, and everybody else. He he leads with cats with 32 points, 11 to 15, uh, six of nine from three point range. Um, in terms of offensive miscuses as well, uh, on K state's part, Nigel Pack also does lead the team in six turnovers as well. So while he has been really one of the, 
like high hands and one the most reliable one on the team. I mean, there's there's moments at times where even the best can struggle. Yeah, I think the thing he really improved on the most from his freshman year to this year was his dribbling and not just being an off-ball shooter, to being able to create his own shot, which I think he's done really well this year. Obviously, the numbers speak for themselves. But I think when he was – he just really faced a lot of duress, you know, especially on that last play with 16.8 seconds left. You know, you got the ball in Nigel Pack's hands down too. I think every K-State fan will just live with the outcome. But you can't – I mean, I think the entire second half really – you know, you go into halftime, you're down 37-35, you know, with some momentum, you made a few nice plays going into halftime, but you come out of halftime extremely flat. Caleb Grill outscores you alone in the first, before the first media timeout, nine to eight, I'm pretty sure. They go on a 14 to two run. And it's just like, you know, we've made comebacks before, but it really seemed like there was no hope. But, you know, we find a way to come back into the game. And I mean, John, we almost had a meme-worthy choke job by Iowa State those last three minutes. Um, almost. Oh, my gosh. That was – I was like, are, how – what are they doing? Like two – what is it, two five-second uh, five violations inbound on the inbounds passes? I thought – looking back at it, I think, it, I think the refs did get one of them wrong. I think, I think he just – I don't know. I think that was a little bit on the ref's part, but I mean, a lot of miscuses on Iowa State offensively. I mean, they've blown a few big leads before. Uh, I mean, going back to the last time these two teams met, but uh, the Cats just couldn't capitalize offensively, especially within the bench points as well. I'm taking a look at the bench points, and you're talking about Caleb Burrell, the Mays High School native. Uh, he he was the biggest boost for Iowa State, 18 points. Uh, six three-pointers I mean this this guy was just he was just lighting up a grill I mean I, I didn't want to say pun intended but I had to uh I mean they got a big boot from uh from the bench three of our four cyclone reserves uh Jaden Walker and Robert Jones also um contributed big for Iowa State all three of those players I just mentioned combined for 31 points and 12 of 17 field goals and including seven of 11 from three-point range K-State only had six points. I mean, that's just – it just comes to show how little we rely on our other weapons and how much we're, we're not really contributing as much as we wanted them to. Yeah, I, I mean, it that really does – 12 or 12 of 17, they're off, off the bench. Holy mackerel, that is insane. Say, say that one more time. Wait. Their bench was 12 of 17? Yeah. Is that what you – oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, Robert – wow. And besides, I mean, besides Pack, I mean, this is just looking at K-State in general. The rest of the Wildcats combined for just 41 of their points, uh, including 21 coming from the free throw line. So, I mean, if, that's, if there's a positive you want to take out about the free throw line, uh, came very, very big for K-State. Uh, um, I'm, I'm taking a look. What else here? Uh, they just went 9 of 32 from the field, uh, 2 of 16 from three-point range. So, I mean, Nigel Pack and the free throws, but I mean, you're kind of looking at it like earlier on, earlier on the season, where, I mean, besides Nigel Pack, nobody else was getting things going. I mean, n kudos to kudos to Marquise Noel for kind of letting off some of the pressure of uh, Nigel Pack with a lot of a pressuring defense late in the game, but ultimately it was just not enough. Uh, and to make matters, and to make matters a little bit like take it with a grain of salt, 
uh, I mean, seeing Nigel Pack make the three, that was probably a little bit more gut-wrenching uh, in terms of my perspective, because I think he was, uh, in your perspective as well, we were talking about last night, uh, he was at 29 points. Uh, and if he scored a three line, one more shot, he would, he would uh, once again be above 30 plus in case state's been winless when pack has been 30 uh, been scoring 30 plus and boy, that half court shot was, that was great, but man, that, that one stung a little bit. I mean, I, I think it has to be up there for the saddest half court shot make of all time. <laughs> it's one of the, I was like, I was watching this. And I was like, man, I really hope he doesn't make this so I don't have to say he's 0-3 uh, uh, when he scores 30-plus points. But he did have to make it. And, I mean, we're coming off of, I believe, four straight games where we've had at least four in double figures. I mean, we had Iowa State, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, KU. I'm pretty sure all those games we had four in double figures. And, I mean, we just – we had three in double figures. I mean, it's kind of – you kind of have to put an asterisk next to it because – we can talk about those last three minutes. Marquise Noel, I think five or six times in a row, just drives, throws something up, and the refs give him the foul. You know, I think sometimes it was granted, but it's just a little weird. He made he's 14 of 16 from the free throw line. Almost all of his 16 points came in that that little three-minute stretch. I mean, we're down 72 to 60 with I think under three minutes left. A lot of fans are leaving. And we're, I mean, all of a sudden you blink your, you know, in the blink of an eye, there's 49 seconds left. It's 72 to 70. And we don't even need to foul with Iowa state having the ball. Caleb girl somehow misses like a 35 foot three. We managed to get the rebound in 16.8 seconds left. We have the ball with a chance to tie. And it's, it's just like the surge of adrenaline after just a roller coaster game where it looks like we're going to cruise. And then all of a sudden we're getting Molly whopped. And now we've almost made this miraculous comeback. And I mean, I said it on the broadcast on Wildcat 91.9. I mean, like, this is probably, that was probably the most important possession, six, the most important 16.8 seconds of the season. Yeah. If, you know, all of our tournament hopes were on the line, all of our chance for getting a, you know, a six seed or higher in the Big 12 tournament was on the line. And probably Bruce's job was on the line in those 16.8 seconds. And I mean, you know, Nigel Pack commits his sixth turnover and it just wasn't quite, it just wasn't quite good enough. I mean, just picture it. K-State has the opportunity to capitalize off of the opponent's miscuses late in the contest, uh, less than 30 seconds to go. Seems, I mean, it seems pretty foreshadowing what K-State would do offensively. I mean, from there, Coach, bro, uh, I'm, I'm, I looked up his quote earlier uh, from Tim Fitzgerald from Go Powercat. Uh, Co Coach Weber's ability to watch his team flounder in late clock situations without a timeout in his pocket is undefeated. I mean, just so many missed opportunities like like that one this season where K-State just could not been just could not seal the deal. And I mean, as a K-State fan, it's frustrating enough. But I mean, for Bruce Weber to, to throw his clipboard um, under the ground, I mean, uh, after that after that turnover, uh, it just showed that he wanted this win as much as anybody else would, if not more, because of his job. Yeah, I mean, he's I mean, he obviously, you know, you mentioned throwing the clipboard. He's obviously very frustrated. I think he understood the importance of this game, and we all did. But it's just, I mean, this this was the must win of all must wins. It would have been so nice to pick up a win like this, get a little momentum going into Texas Tech on the road, which was going to be tough no matter what. Nobody's beaten them there, and you know. 
and then, you know, you actually have something to play for sort of, you know, on senior night against Oklahoma at home, you know, be able to get the crowd out there, you know, eight, almost 8,100 people in Bramlage for this game, which is pro I mean, I'm not for sure, but that's probably the most since the KU game. So it was a decent yeah. turnout from the crowd. It was a really good turnout from a crowd. The student section came, get, came and got going, but I mean, hit, hitting into Saturday, uh, I think this, uh, it could be a good crowd. I'm not really sure, but I mean, we've just not seen it this year. And I don't know if it's just ultimately with, uh, with the kind of up and down bumpy rides we've been going with Coach Weber, but it just doesn't seem like there's just a whole lot of excitement. Now, going back into like what what's at stake for K State? I mean, well, you you probably you you'll probably have to stick a fork in the tournament talk at this point. I mean, seven points by by three points or less. I mean, K State was painfully close uh, for being a happy selection Sunday type of team. But if the Wildcats want to reach the tournament at this point, they're probably going to have to win the Big Twelve championship. And I mean, to make matters worse, a loss to Texas Tech, which, I mean, that Texas Tech team lost to TCU. They're not going to be happy on Monday night. Uh, they're, they, I mean, a loss to Texas Tech, that, I mean, even with a win over Oklahoma on Saturday, that'll put K-State at 500, which, I mean, that's NIT at best. NIT at best. K-State just, that, that's not going to cut it on, on, a, on a lot of K-State fans' part. Yeah, and you, and you put it in context with the last two years that we've had, and even, you know, the 2018-19 season. Sorry, what, John? Oh, last three seasons, it's just been yeah. it's just been the worst, uh, worst winning percentages in K-State basketball history. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, there's obviously, you know, K-State fans are definitely passionate, and they like to go to Twitter to talk. You know, there's a lot of people hopping on the Fire Bruce bandwagon now. Um, I saw somebody on Twitter asking, you know, hoping that Selton Miguel transfers or something like that. I mean, like, I think there's no need to get overly negative like this. Obviously, people are extremely worried that, you know, if Bruce gets fired or something like that, that, you know, we're going to get a bunch of people who are transfer. People are worried Nigel's going to transfer. And obviously, we can't know, you know, what he's thinking. I know these guys really like Bruce Weber and they like to play for him. But I, I don't know. It's there's just a lot to be figured out in the offseason. I mean. I guess we could talk a little bit about there's a lot of, you know, people talking about, you know, obviously people are just assuming Bruce is going to get fired, but we can have this conversation, I guess, for his 10 years here um, at K-State so far that uh, it's kind of people have been mentioning his resume that he's only gotten out of the first round one time and, you know, that his, his that tenure. Was, that wasn't when K-State was even favored. Yeah. I mean, besides the UMBC game, which, I mean, UMBC was a 16. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, a, yeah, go ahead. I mean, a seriously like once in a lifetime opportunity to like not have to play a one seed when you're an eight seed that we're the only, I mean, we're the only team who's ever done that really. <laughs> Which oh. Absolutely crazy. I mean, some people call it fluky. Um, I mean, people have been talking about his tenure here at K-State as a failure. Um, I think that's a little bit unfair, John. Yeah, I think a little unfair. I think, yeah, I think you can't, you can't deny two big 12 championships, yeah. even if they're shared, there's still big 12 championships in a really good conference. There's been a ton of great players here that come out of K-State. Um, you know, the stuff in between hasn't been great, but I think you can't deny some of the success he's had. He has, I think he is the third, uh, third most winning 
uh, winning percentage of all K-State yeah. basketball coaches, I think behind, uh, oh, who are they? Jack Hartman, I think is one of them. And I think Lon Kruger is the other one, but yeah. don't, 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 uh, don't put that on the paper or anything, but I mean, he's done a lot for not only this basketball program, the university, but also the community. When I think he was the first coach to accept the, the cut uh, in terms of the COVID uh, paychecks when the athletic department was facing some money issues. They'll have to cut the cut the um, uh, cut the bills a little bit. I mean, great dedication for Bruce. I I understand he he uh, his he he has a lot of love for this university. But I think it's just starting to come most likely to the conclusion with the writing on the wall that, I mean, K-State might at this point need some fresh blood to inject some life uh, once uh, end of a basketball program. I mean, just some guy just to get the K-State community rallied, rallied behind to kind of bring back the passion of, of the octagon of doom. And it's just not been there ever since. I mean, I, I, as much as I hate to admit it, I mean, it's just it's just not – Going going to K State basketball games, it's just not what it what it has been in the past. Yeah, it hasn't been the same. You mentioned some of the stats. I, I went ahead and pulled them up. Yeah, he has the third most wins all time at K State right now. Given he's he, there's no chance he's ever going to pass second and first. Jack Hartman's first with 295. Tex Winner's second with 262. Bruce's third with 161. You know he has three of the seven winningest um, teams by year in K State. His 2012-2013 team is the second winningest team all time uh, behind 2009-2010 uh, team with Frank Martin that made the Elite Eight. They have 29 wins. The 2012-13 team had 27. He has had some 25-win teams as well in back-to-back -back years. Um, he has the third most tournament appearances for coaches at K-State. I mean, I don't think there's any way. Was there opportunity for a lot more success? I mean, I think so. With these, some of these bad first-round losses we had in the tournament, um, but to make the Elite Eight, I mean, it sucks to lose to a mid-major with a chance to go to the Final Four. But two Big 12 championships, I don't think you can deny the success he's had. But um, I, I just think we need we need something different. And at, time, and at times, it's just not been a easy as a K-State fan. Kind of not only to kind of miss out on these opportunities to get these big wins in March Madness, but, I mean, you just don't have as many big wins. I mean, if not – kind of more embarrassing losses I, I mean let's go back to 2020 where I mean you lost to Ford Hayes State uh or, we had no business in playing that game out. uh I mean lost to, lost to Baylor 107 to 59 yeah. I think last season uh I mean K I mean I mean KU as well KU has just had our num just had our number since the Bruce Weber era so I mean it's it's just kind of not worked the things uh, as K-State fans have wanted it to be. Yeah. I mean, some people have been saying this is like a top five all-time Bruce loss. It probably isn't. There have been some pretty bad ones. What, you have Fort Hayes State, what, UC Irvine, what, uh, LaSalle, I think. Some stuff in the tournament that those ones really hurt. Um, obviously, the Loyal Chicago one, you know, even – hurts i don't know if it's that's kind of a weird one with a lot I mean, of the context we, around it but if you were to tell me like losing to iowa state like a well let's not forget iowa state's now tw a 21 team this year uh so i mean if you were looking at this in terms of a non non view of an ncaa tournament standpoint it would have not been a bad loss but 
I think this one just hurts to the point where I think, I mean, you, you, you saw, you saw the light at the end of a tunnel, but then you just had a few losses here and very well like Oklahoma state. Uh, and then I think, I mean, you, going back to the KU game, you, you probably didn't think, okay, that, that loss didn't hurt too much, but I mean, getting scored by um, 102 won't do you any favors uh, in terms of a national perspective and then at the Iowa State loss as well. So just a lot of missed opportunities that I think K-State would have gone a long way. Uh, winning two of the three games and I think the KU game could have gone better defensively So, Yeah, and I mean, it's kind of interesting, you know, coming into the season, you could argue that maybe this team still – you know, went above expectations, maybe not from K-State fans, but from the national media in general. I mean, they were picked ninth in the preseason of Big 12 rankings, right? And, you know, you have a guy in Mark Smith who leads the Big 12 in rebounding. You have a guy in Nigel Pack who's, I think he's still third in scoring um, yeah. right now. And then you have Marquise Noel who's still up there in terms of assists. He's probably still averaging five assists a game. And it's, this was a team that almost could have, you know, easily, if a couple of games go your way, you get fifth, in the big 12 conference and they're still pro they're definitely not there shouldn't get ninth um they I mean, you know if you have you need to win that game against oklahoma but um i think i think at this point west virginia has some yeah. in a ninth place i mean well they they had a gut-wrenching loss to texas as well things are just not looking better for them but i mean looking back at the k-state record uh in terms of a conference mark for coach weber k-state's 82 and 96 I mean, a, a 460 winning percentage and 13 and 39 since the Big 12 title. Uh, I mean, 2020 kind of kind of seemed attainable with just a lot of the COVID troubles uh, that have impacted our program. Uh, but K-State's gone 35 and 57 since cutting down the nets in Bramwich uh, back in 2019. So it's just, I don't know. I, I think it's just kind of, become a bound to this a, a little bit i i i, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i'm kind of at a loss for words too it's just it's a season filled with what ifs i think if we just gotten blown out in all these in all these close games instead we all could have just been you know just whatever and accepted it and moved on but they just get you good enough just to like pull you in and make you think you have a chance and then they just rip your heart right out of your soul and it, it hurts, you know, because, you know, really? we all care a lot about this team. You know, uh, it's just, you know, I've, I mean, I obviously feel bad for these guys. You know, I give so much credit to Nigel Pack. You know, he had a he had a bruised hip that was really bad. He, he had against the KU game. He got a need in the hip in this game that he obviously was hurting. And he still went out there and played like an absolute madman. I mean, I give all the credit in the world to Nigel Pack and even for the rest of this team for fighting so hard. And, you know, this, this is a team that doesn't want to ever give up. You know, they play hard for Bruce Weber. They play hard for K-State fans. And it still should be, you know, you got to give credit to these players. And I really hope Big 12 voters give credit to these K-State players. I think Nigel Pack has to make first team all Big 12. Three 30-point games. I mean, he's third in scoring. I think he's first in, you know, uh, three-point percentage, probably first in, I, I mean, I, I don't know all these for sure. But I think, you know, a couple of days ago, I think it was first in three-point makes. I mean, this guy is an absolute monster. I can't wait to see what he does, you know, in the off season, which I'm sure he'll be hungry to get better. I, I, I really, he needs to make first team all big 12, John. I'm being, I think you put it right there. I mean, there's a lot of talent in this league, but Nigel Pack is definitely one of them. I mean, he, he can be on K-State. He cannot be on K-State. It, it doesn't matter. He, he's just, 
he's just proven to be one of the best point guards in a long time uh, in the Big 12. Um, he, he, he's just keeping K-State in these, in these close contests. I mean, what, whatever happens, I, I desperately hope he stays in Manhattan to finish what has already been a, a stellar career. With, with that being said, I, it's, this is not Nigel, but this is more on K-State in terms of, I mean, you're, you're, always, you're, bleh, sorry. you're already wasting two tournament uh, seasons for a tournament caliber player. Uh, and Nigel Pack. So in terms of being competitive in Big 12, he was probably the main reason K-State has a chance to win the to win the game against Iowa State, of uh, a chance to win against KU early in January, uh, and the other past games that K-State should have won. And I mean, he is their best chance to, to get this shift turned around in the years to come, possibly, if he manages to stay around. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to be the foundation of, you know, what's to come in the future, his last two years, or maybe three. I guess he could take another COVID year. But, you know, what's to come in the next couple of years for him? Um, I mean, I just want to say, you know, I think you, you know, make sure to still come out next Saturday. You know, um, they're going to be, you know, it's senior day for uh, Drew Honus, Mike McGurl, and Mark Smith. You obviously want to send these guys off right, especially, you know, McGurl and Mark Smith, both Honus, you know, everything they've done for the program you know, all the, all the work that Mark Smith has put in and brought to this, you know, he's the reason he's part of the reason this team is in tournament contention. Those three transfers have been absolutely huge for us. They're part of the turnaround, you know, even if it's not quite the turnaround we had hoped for, but, you know, I think you should still come out, you know, and show love for this team. Send them so, off. Right. I mean, you can, you can criticize the coaching staff. I mean, that's fine, but these players, they're playing as hard as they can for not only coach, but, for, for this program. I mean, they have strong team, uh, strong team chemistry. I mean, the way they connect on the court. I mean, it's, it's just an all around great hot, a great community of guys uh, that's just pouring all they got into this team, uh, whether they win or lose. I mean, you can, I mean, you can criticize uh, even players that are struggling as well. I mean, we, 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 We've done it as well with Davion Bradford uh, and the likes of, well, mainly the guys in the fifth spot uh, and some of the other guys that didn't contribute too much uh, offensively as well. But nonetheless, I mean, you just got to come out and support the Cats. Uh, what could be possibly Bruce Weber's final game at uh, in Bramwich Coliseum as well. So uh, just, just a lot to take in possibly for this Oklahoma team uh hitting and in, hitting into uh saturday i'm I, I of course i'm not overlooking texas tech but just with the way things are looking right now <laughs> it's funny you say overlooking we're like overlooking it in the opposite way people usually say overlooking overlooking like oh, yeah is, we're we're just gonna whoop them <laughs> overlooking like is, we're gonna get whooped well this isn't the first time that happened i mean re remember when bruce weber says oh we're we're looking at the Ole miss game uh like you can we can not focus on yeah excuse me uh you we can look at the Ole Miss game but I mean we, we probably won't get a, a lot out of Baylor since we're just really good yeah. yeah but I mean I think at this point you really have to put everything you've got into Texas Tech because you got to take it one game at a time because every game is the most important yeah. game now if you want to you know have any you need to pull off a miracle if you want to get into the tournament and I mean you know it's I mean can we even make the NIT? I, th I think we can, you know, I think they're 
we're probably the Big 12 team that they will take. Uh, I don't know, but I mean, because we're ahead of West Virginia, Oklahoma, obviously Oklahoma State's banned from postseason play. And then I think everybody above us is getting in the tournament. TCU probably locked their spot in after the win against Tech. Iowa State, you know, I think at 20 and nine, eight quad one wins, they'll definitely, they'll definitely get in. So I think, I think we'll still make the NIT. <laughs> obviously, I, you know, well, it's not Oklahoma, what you hope for, but this Oklahoma game on Saturday is important as well. If you want to manage to, keep that uh keep that uh conference lead advantage on oklahoma i mean yeah. then oklahoma's five and eleven if k-state loses to oklahoma on saturday the wildcats could be facing uh west virginia in that first round game in kansas city so i mean i i think when looking up the at the potential field the lot uh this it's a must win for against oklahoma in terms of keeping keep like avoiding the uh, first round game yeah, that you really don't want to be playing on Wednesday and then having to probably play KU or Baylor, depending on how things shake out the last couple games. But um, yeah, this one hurts really bad. This is this is the game of all the games that we would really win just to have hope going forward. It would have been so nice. But John, at least KU lost. <laughs> you lost. That's all that matters. That's at least KU lost. At least they can join in our suffering. So. Uh, I think that's a good place to stop it for the men's basketball. We'll take good, a quick – go good ahead. Thing, the good thing is that now uh, with KU losing, that that uh, fervor closes KU's chances at, at uh, uh, clinching the Big 12 uh, all, all to their own. So big win for Baylor, especially with the health concerns they had. So. Yeah, yeah. KU is TCU twice and then Texas, so we'll see what happens there but yeah i think we'll go ahead and stop it here and the suffering for k-state basketball but speaking of suffering there's definitely going to be more to come here on the shake and blake show with blake crawford and john grove after we take a quick break all right and we're back john um we do you, you you thought the suffering was over we're going in chronological order we're at about Bring my sorrows this this game started at 4 p.m um i remember i had to go to the store so i was listening to brian smuller on the radio Oh, John, um, if you didn't catch it, Oklahoma beats K-State on a buzzer-beating three by Taylor Robertson, 72-69, to 69, our final score. More heartbreak for another, us Cat fans. Another Kansas native steals a wildcat cards <laughs> and wins. Oh, my gosh. Just it's insane. Devastated, but... I mean, you, you look at some of the numbers overall. This is a pretty good game on K-State's part in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, like, compared to the last few road games. Uh, Laura, Laura Mackey had a great game, uh, 17 points, 7 to 14 from field goals, field goal range. So, I mean, she had a, she had a great bounce back game. Uh, I mean, we got to talk about Serena Sundell as of late. She's been cruising uh, for K-State when it comes to the uh, – Leading score percentage, uh, 24 points, nine of 16, seven assists as well. She's she's come in handily. I mean, I mean Oklahoma, I mean Oklahoma. We we all knew what uh, what Oklahoma was going to try and do with Aoka Lee, try to lock her down <laughs> as much as humanly possible yeah. after that 61 point outing uh, that she had uh, in Bramlage. But she only scores 13 points yesterday six of 13 from field goal range and 11 rebounds which which led the team as well so 
not a bad game on K-State's part. Oh, I think, I think when you look at some of the uh, questions, I mean, a, a little bit of a better three-point shooting percentage uh, compared to the last few games, but I don't know if nine, nine of 22 three-pointers is going to cut it uh, on K-State's part. Uh, similar numbers of Oklahoma, you look at some of the, some of, some of these team numbers, I mean, Oklahoma only out-rebounded the Cats by four uh, field goal percentages. Oklahoma was 26 of 55, that's 47%. Uh, and then three-point shooting percentage, they weren't any better either, eight of 23 from 35. Oh, wait, eight. <laughs> <laughs> eight of 23 35 percent i should say it, it's been a long week but n- nonetheless uh i mean some one team has had to win and i mean of course you gotta you gotta tip your cap to taylor robinson just launching a good three i saw that last play it was some great ball transition on o- on ou's offense uh but 17 points for taylor robinson five for, five for eight from field goal range Four of seven from the three point uh, from three point range. That of course uh, includes the game winner. Uh, and then Maddie Williams also did great for the Sooners. Eighteen points, seven eleven uh, a field goal, uh, field goal range, ten rebounds as well. Um, so, I mean, the, when you look at uh, besides besides the like of likes of Aoka Lee in the post, these teams are very similar just in terms of the size and depth that they have. Yeah, just uh, just one thing on that last second win. I, I have a lot of credit um, to Brian Smuller for uh, keeping his composure. I always have a lot of respect for announcers who who are obviously heartbroken by uh, the losses. And he's just like, the three-pointer's up, and it's good. Uh, that's it. Does it. <laughs> Oklahoma wins. Uh, more post-game coverage after this. And then he obviously probably just went crazy during the break. It's like, um, like uh, it's like the meme where you have where you have the mask on where he's like, Oh, I'm I'm fine. I'm fine. Oh yeah. yeah. So, and then you you let go of the mask and you yeah. just all waterworks. Oh I, that that has to be one of the hardest things to do. I mean if you, he just says he's just like, come on, really? Shoot. No, I, no. I don't think it's good. It'd be, I don't think it'd be like that. I think you would just be like stunned, like Stephen A. Smith watching a wrestling meet. You have yeah. <laughs> like, what just happened? Uh, but num- nonetheless, uh, it was, oh man, I thought they had this one. Uh, I think they had a six point lead at one point, but they kind of get, got an Oklahoma back into things. Uh, one, one of the better road games I've seen from K State all season, but. Uh, just did not work out at the end uh, against a top 25 Oklahoma team. Yeah, I mean, what are the kind of the three things we really hit on on Friday? It's kind of like how the kind of the Jekyll and Hyde, you put it, um, this team has been on the road, um, the three-point shooting, and then also the depth. I mean, I think those three check marks or three you know boxes really got checked in this game. You have 17 points from Mackey off of the bench, which really helps, 19 bench points. Um, which, you know, was a huge lift. I mean, she hit the three to tie the game at 69 to even, you know, keep K-State in the game. And, you know, obviously Serena Sundell having an extremely great game. They shot, I think, 41% from three is is solid. I think you definitely live with that, especially when, you know, considering what you've been shooting before, be able to go nine of 22. I think you take that. And then, you know, be able to play in Norman as well as you have when against, uh, you know, 
Baylor on the road, Iowa State on the road, you're losing by 20 plus or 40 plus in one of the games. I think it just makes it, you know, even more disappointing to play this well against a solid Oklahoma team and still come up short. I think it does add a maturity level for K-State in terms of what they've gone through in terms of playing on the road games. And and hitting into the uh, final few games of the season, you still got one more game at TCU. You look at that game and saying, okay, K-State's starting to look better on the road. Maybe they haven't gotten it done. Maybe maybe the TCU game on Saturday is the one where K-State can finally get over the hump uh, when it comes to capitalizing uh, in these sort of like game contest as well. K-State, as at, at times, they've always kind of managed to to kind of collapse in some of these late game situations, uh, especially de- defensively uh, as of late. But uh, non- nonetheless, uh, I think it's just kind of seeing how how these players will develop in these final few games. I think they'll be – I, I think they'll be ready for the West Virginia game, especially after <laughs> what happened. But – uh, I, I, I got nothing else to say, but yeah, I mean, I would just like to see, it'd be nice to just get one like true, like, you know, Aoka Lee type game that we had early in the season where she's getting 20 plus and, you know, is really in the groove, but that's going to be really tough without teams are defending her. They're making it really hard, which, which means, you know, the, you know, the Glenn twins and Sundell really have to step up Sundell the last two games, at least, at least I know it has played the entire game. She's played all 40 minutes, you know, along with those 24 points, seven assists, no turnovers. I mean, I think Serena Sundell really needs to be the big 12 freshman of the year. I know I'm pretty sure it's her or Harmon who are the ones that are in kind of contention for it, but I think the way Serena Sundell has been playing, I think she definitely deserves it. You mentioned the last two games, uh, senior night, March 2nd against West Virginia and at TCU. Those are two games you should win. Should be 10 and eight, 20 and 10. Yeah. And, you know, make some noise in the tournament and um, and then get into the NCAA tournament, probably seven or eight seed. So that's I mean, that's just kind of how it's going to be from here. Uh, this team's got a lot of potential. We keep talking about this team could get better next year with the big recruits coming in, equally coming back, the three freshmen getting better. I think but there's only two seniors on this team, I believe. And I'm sure there are. I and mean, you also bring in some of the, some really good recruits out of uh for next season um, that many was able to grab, grab. So um, a lot of optimism moving forward next year, but uh, I think still a lot uh, ha- is still left to be learned for, uh, for this team this season. So yeah, there's still, still a lot, lot of, still a lot of basketball to be played. Yeah. There's still a lot of basketball to be played. Still got two more tournaments to get through. So that should be fun. I mean, do you have any other thoughts before we get um, more sad? I'm already sad. What? What? <laughs> can you? You can get more sad, John. I, I, I don't know at this point. Well, I mean, I'm gonna be honest. Uh, I, really, I really we, wish. Really, we, we wouldn't lose to a mid major in baseball. If only, <laughs> if only I dreamed that. Uh, so, I mean, we we talked on Friday about the baseball team, you know, not doing great in the State Farm uh, College Baseball Showdown, but you're losing to, you know, Power 5 teams. You're losing to NCAA tournament in, in a couple of cases, Omaha, you know, type teams. And you just hope this weekend you go to the, you know, Bakersfield, California to play Cal State Bakersfield and just get some solid wins, you know, look pretty good and uh, get it done. But, um 
that has not been the case. Uh, first one, they fall four to three in 11 innings to Cal State Bakerfield. And then last night they lost two to one despite a really solid start from Connor McCullough. You know, we went six innings on Saturday, allowed those two earned runs in the fifth, had seven strikeouts, but it just wasn't enough. The bats could not get going. You leave seven on base on Saturday. Oh, you score that one run in the fourth to take a one run, one nothing lead, but that has just been absolutely it. Uh, I, I, you're 0 and 5. You're well, 0 and 5, John. Well, actually, I believe it was Aaron Perez uh, that snapped that snapped a uh, that snapped the uh, streak when he hit it at uh, fifth. Oh no, that was Bakersfield. My bad. Uh, but McCord, <laughs> he he, did, he had a great, really good outing. A lot of just one base hit through four innings, including a stretch of 12 consecutive. Excuse me, 12 consecutive Bakersfield hitters. Uh, uh, he retired, so really good game for him. But I mean. Again, so some of a relief pitching just didn't come into play. K-State just could not capitalize with the runners on base. Uh, I'm, it's, could, it's, it could be an ultimate problem hitting in, end of a season, considering um, this has been like the probably the biggest factor when it comes to these uh, t- type of contests K-State's been in. They've just not been able to, uh, to send the runners home. Yeah, I mean, you you think you just you got to find a way to get the offense going. Obviously, baseball is a game where you, when you're given a set of data in these games, you'd really like to have a bigger sample size because you know baseball has lots of ups and downs. Um, that's why they play so many games. But to start out this cold, not be able to get anything going really offensively besides those five runs in the eighth against Arizona, I mean, it really hurts. Obviously. Um, you know, Tyson Neighbors had his struggles and could not, you know, get that last out in was it the eighth inning? And uh, but it's just I, I was hoping to spend like two minutes on this team and just be like, well, they whooped these guys, and you know, we'll talk more about them when they're actually in, you know, Toynton Family Stadium, when they're actually closer to conference play, when we're actually in March, when we're kind of in a mood for baseball. But it's not what we've been looking for. I mean, they're playing today at uh, 3 p.m. Oh, oh, 3. Okay. Anyway, that says on their website it's 3. Okay. So, I mean, you – I think think you're on – I think it's a California stretch as well because K-State's going to remain in that state after playing Bakersfield. I think they played Cal State Fullerton on Tuesday. Fullerton's a deep squad. I mean – Historically, they've been one of the best baseball teams uh, in the country. So, case it's really going to have to to dig deep and get things going over there, and then uh, you wrap up your California uh, California adventure uh, against uh, Loyola Marymount. So, I mean, you could probably take a a, a, a a season a season loss to Cal State Bakersfield, but I mean, a loss to Loyola Chicago, and you might have to start considering uh, some big problems uh, within the team uh, as well. So, I mean, well, we got plenty of baseball to 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 keep to keep an eye out on, but not a good start. Not a not a good start. Yeah, it sucks to see, but yeah, it's a long season. You know, I'm sure this team will get the bats going eventually. You know, what they they don't have their first home game until a week from Tuesday, March 8th, when they play Nebraska at home. So, um, you know, that should be fun. Hopefully, the weather will be nicer. It's supposed to be nicer this week, so hopefully, like I don't know, I don't know what the weather's gonna be like. I just checked the 
my my weather app in the morning and whatever happens happens so yeah i don't really have anything else to say john so you got any other thoughts cats behind me <laughs> you still have to say it that's, that's probably a little too early isn't it well I, well i think usually on the online ones you do like the the ema ema cats behind ema ema which ima, has been which has been great well well, I guess it's a good time for us to say goodbye. Um, say goodbye on what's, this. I don't even know what the point yeah. of it all is. Uh, well, I think I'm entering into bargaining. But uh, thank you for listening. Um, this has been a pretty good, you know, K-State's support, fan support group meeting. Um, I think we made a lot of progress, and I think we're, so you know. Uh, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're seeing maybe there's a dim light the end of the tunnel but uh once again just make sure that you're uh you know following the podcast wherever you're listening leave a review leave a like take our quizzes on sparkle follow us on social media on twitter at least at uh shaking like 312 follow john's uh, k-state game day page on instagram just k-state game day no hyphen uh all of our social media links will be in the description and uh cats by 90 you cats by 90 you